This program is a production of the Reformed Forum, an organization devoted to producing and distributing Reformed theological content for a connected age. Online at reformedforum.org. This is Christ the Center, episode number 175, coming to you from the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology. Welcome to Christ the Center, Doctrine for Life, your weekly conversation of Reformed Theology. This is episode number 175, and my name is Camden Busey. We are coming to you from the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We're very pleased to be here, and let me introduce to you the people that are with me. I have Jeff Waddington, who is teacher of the congregation at Calvary Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Ringo's, New Jersey. Good afternoon, Camden. Hey, Jeff. It's great, it's great to, to be have here. you. Uh, we're very excited to be here. And we, uh, we also have with us uh, Jeff's partner in crime, or partner in ministry, however you view them, um, <laughs> Same thing. Jim yeah, Cassidy, thanks. who is pastor at uh, Calvary OPC in Ringo's, New Jersey. Welcome, Jim. It's great to have you back. It's good to be here, Camden. We... Uh, are going on our tour of conferences after having done several episodes from the Gospel Coalition in Chicago, Illinois. We are now at the Philadelphia Conference in Reformed Theology. It is that time of year. The uh, fall season and the spring season are always, they always have uh, several conferences back to back to back. And we've uh, been very pleased to have been invited to come and to uh, discuss Reformed Theology and and discuss this conference in between the sessions. Uh, So there's a lot going on down here at 10th Presbyterian Church. And uh, this Friday pre-conference, we've been able to attend some of the sessions, and now we're going to give a little bit of a reaction. So uh, first, uh, initial thoughts about uh, just the conference setup. Have you guys been to PCRT before? I have, uh, but going back some years ago now, uh, and... In fact, when we uh, interviewed Rick Phillips back a few yeah. weeks ago, we had, I had talked about my experience yep. at the uh, PCRT and how instrumental it was as a new convert to Christ, uh, just in terms of my own growth in Jesus and uh, discipleship and such. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing the messages uh, tonight and then again tomorrow and, and such. So now this is my first uh, conference. Now, I've watched the, uh, the last few years the video, the live streaming. Sure, yeah. So I've and I've read books that have come from the conferences, but this mm-hmm. is my first being in the flesh at the conference. And so far, it's been very uh, uh, encouraging and, enjoy- and, and enjoyable. And they do have this first uh, section, this first the day into the afternoon is called the pre-conference, but you can actually register, and it's just a little bit stripped down. Um, they have uh, It's kind of got a little more casual feel to it and uh, more devotional types of uh, sessions. Uh, in the morning at 9.15, they, Rick Phillips gave a little opening Bible study uh, titled In God's Image, Male and Female, in Genesis one twenty seven. Jeff, uh, you and I were able to go to that. What were your thoughts initially? Oh, it was uh, very good. And the Rick, as you remember, may remember, said it within the context of our postmodern situation. He where, spoke about gender issues. Yes, where, mm-hmm. where um, gender uh, is confused. And uh, in many instances, intentionally confused, so that mm-hmm. masculine and feminine distinctions are uh, blended, if you will. And, and he, re- he referenced the work of Peter Jones, who we know uh, from his uh, time of teaching out at Westminster Seminary sure. in California. Uh, he, he mentioned that there is a forthcoming book 
what is it, uh, one-ism and two-ism or something? Something to that effect. But he's dealing, these these are common themes in in Dr. Jones' work. Sure. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of this material, uh, I assume, is found also in his book, Masculine Mandate. There's a lot of similar stuff, and I'm sure sure that's going to be a book featured this weekend. The the entire theme of the conference is Children of God Adopted into the Father's Love. Mm -hmm. And so... um, yeah, a lot of the lectures and presentations will be of that theme, uh, biblical manhood and womanhood, what it means to be adopted, uh, that very important theological doctrine, right. which uh, in the Westminster standards is featured alongside justification and sanctification. It is. It's one of those benefits that flow out of and manifest union with Christ. Sure. And uh, if I could interject and um, recommend our good uh, professor friend Dave Gardner yeah. Uh, yeah. at Westminster Seminary. His uh, PhD dissertation is on the subject, and I think it's um, phenomenal. He he brings some new insights to the doctrine. Um, and if you are anybody listening is able uh, to get their hands on that uh, dissertation, to go ahead and do it. Uh, otherwise, just wait until the published version comes out. If a published version ever does come out, he's uh, working on it. I heard he working on it. I think he has. A, good, I don't want to speak too soon, but I believe okay. he has a contract, or at least was in the works to get good. one. Good. It, it's fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't he, know if that's public knowledge. Well, it is. It, well, it, it is, is now. now. <laughs> it is now. That's right. Well, anyway, if it, if if you don't see it coming out, uh, you know, ask somebody and and uh, email Dr. Garner at uh, Westminster, and he'd be able to give you an update as to how that book is coming along. Uh, second, uh, well, before we move on, I should mention the you know the issue you, you mentioned the gender issues and those sorts of things. Um, one particular point I was interested in that Rick spoke about is how gender is bound up with our self-identity. Yeah. That when we conceive of ourselves or think of ourselves, you don't think of neutral. We're not the, sexless or and genderless. He, and he's basing this on Genesis one twenty-seven: uh, male and female, he created them in God's image. image. You know, he created them. And so it's interesting to think about. Um, I'd be curious uh, to have your take. If you've, Have you read any on Bart on this subject? Because he has this understanding um, that... Uh, that the image of God is male and female. Not that males and females are made in the image of God, but in Bart's conception, the, ima- the image is a combination. It is both male and female. So that male is not the image alone, neither is female the That's image right. alone. That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, Gardner, What's going Dr. On with Gardner that? had asked me um, this very question in my comprehensive exams. Really? And uh, <laughs> asked me to compare. In the oral? In the oral part, asked me to compare Klein and uh, Bart on this issue. <laughs> oh, wow. I said, well, um, I had to be honest. I said, uh, I, it's not something, the subject that I've read deeply in Bart on yet. Um, but I told him, I said, I'd be glad to take a shot at it. And, and, and I did. You've got to remember that for Bart, everything, every theological concept um, is actualized. Uh, which means that he's going to move away from any types of substance notion of of anything, uh, including humanity. Um, humanity is not a, a thing or a substance, uh, like how we might traditionally think of, for instance, the humanity of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, for Bart, humanity and, and what it means to be man, true man, is um, it, it's not a, a thing, a nature. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's an act. Mm-hmm. So um, maleness and femaleness is also um, actualized um, and um, it conceived, re-conceived uh, in a way that is actualistic uh, so that 
what you have is uh, maleness and femaleness um, have a and the image of God is uh, described in terms of relationship, mm-hmm. um, a relation between a male and female, how they relate in their relating to one another is how their substance is defined and constituted, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, now, beyond that, I can't get into any more details because um, I, I just haven't studied the, that issue in depth, but that's basically what you got. That's helpful to depth. know, and, yeah. and it's a start, in stark contrast to what we understand from the beginnings of Genesis. Very real, stark, yeah. Real quick, um, before we take a break, the second uh, session was Fathers and Fatherhood, which was taught by Steve Lawson, which was also a very interesting session, and in that session he brought up four four major points, uh, four core values uh, that should be taken into account as fathers father their children. This is taken especially from Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not anger your children, exasperate your children is the language in the Colossians parallel passage. But the four values he brought up were, one, obedience, mm-hmm. uh, then two, respect, three, discipline, and four, convictions. What were your thoughts on, on that, uh, that lesson, Jeff? Oh, very clear. Uh, Dr. Lawson is a very good preacher, very powerful, uh, very both biblically based, theologically sound, and practical in, in a good sense. In other words, you know, informing us as fathers, uh, two of us, two of the three of us here are, are fathers. You're actually, well, I am, you I are guess a techni- father, yeah, just a but, preborn but the, child. <laughs> the, on the way. <laughs> on the way. On, on the yeah. way, that's right. So. Uh, the stork still has the baby. That's yeah. right. It's, it's, it's on its way. Pretty yeah. soon, yeah. the stork will let go of the baby. Yeah, <laughs> drop it right in your That's lap. That's right. Yeah. Drop him right in the lap. Uh, but anyway, it's a very, <laughs> I thought, very uh, very helpful also from using illustrations from his own family life, either as a child yeah. with his father or, or his own himself kids. as father with his, his own children. Yeah. But very, uh, very clear. So, I mean, it's uh, impractical. Um, one of the things that struck me in Dr. Uh, Lawson's um, remarks uh, were the, um, the remarks about catechism and yes. catechesis. Uh, I, I continue to find that to be a challenge as a father. And mm-hmm. um, there's, we can often think as parents-to-be, perhaps, yes, when I have my children, I will catechize them. Um, and um, that's what and I how, think. Yeah, yeah, right. And, right. and how romantic of <laughs> yes. a notion that is uh, when you get down. But yet, to I it, have trouble doing it with my, you know, doing the catechism or going through the devotions with my wife regularly. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. So well, why would struggle. it be any different from right. it's, for it's me and not my kids? Ro- yeah, the, get the romantic notion out. I mean, you know, because when 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 you, when it comes, it, you're if you could get five minutes of them sitting down still and not talking and fighting with one another to actually repeat a catechism, you're doing well. <laughs> Um, but do it because and I only yes. I don't say that to discourage people, but to encourage them that that realistic. is hard and yeah, it, it's hard work. Um, it takes effort, sweat, tears, um, and 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 God is sanctifying you through right. that process. And maybe yeah. either we have uh, romantic notions of how it was done in the past, unrealistic notions, or or, or uh, they were better behaved, which is probably a combination of the two. Yeah, well, right? what's the story with Warfield? Like, he, he, he didn't he have the catechism memorized by well, eight I know Machen did. <laughs> it was Machen whose mother, you know, instilled in him a love for the shorter catechism. Yeah. And, and, and it may be true of Warfield as well, but I know yeah. I've read it about Machen, that he had that down cold. 
at such a young age. But if you don't, if your kids aren't completely catechized in the Schroeder Catechism by age eight, don't be discouraged. <laughs> Just keep. That's right. Asking both of you, being being fathers and also ministers, well, I wanted to ask and get your reaction to the question: How has being a father affected your Christian life? And then, secondly, how has being a father affected your own ministry? Mm. Jeff, uh, you want to hit sure. that one first? I, I would say my my life, my Christian walk, and my ministry have been enriched by the fact that I've got two daughters, a wife and, and two daughters. Uh, there's a certain sanctification process that goes on in, in the family life uh, that a single person doesn't have. Although there are things, there are struggles and sanctification processes that a single person has that a married person doesn't have. Sure. But definitely... Uh, Learning how to be a godly man and father, uh, and that's not some is is a big challenge, and it's not mm-hmm. something you learn overnight. And I'm, my daughters have lovely stories. If, if anybody <laughs> wants to hear them, give us a call. Uh, but it's it. And one of the things I wanted to say about catechism is when I was going, I wasn't raised in the Reformed tradition. I was thirty before I came to the Reformed mm-hmm. faith. And so I had to uh, learn the catechism for my licensure and ordination, and my daughters came along for the ride. Mm. Mm. And it was enjoyable, a a great experience I found. I was killing two birds with one stone in God's providence. uh, uh, My daughters learned it and and seemed to enjoy it. And I would recommend, related to that, the book by Star Mead, Training hearts. training hearts and teaching minds as a good because it's a, it's a series it's a devotional that's based on the shorter catechism and it takes two years to work through it. Wow, that's good. That's wow, good. Jim. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean it's a profound question. Um, I, I think maybe I'll, I'll I'll back in the truck this way. Um, begin by its influence on my ministry. I, when when you. <laughs> There's no doubt that a single man can preach to a congregation of parents um, and give biblical principle. Right. There's, I mean, you don't have to be married to minister to married people or have children to minister to people with children um, because you're, if you preach from the Bible, you're, you're ministering to them right. faithfully. Um, so I don't buy the argument that says in order to be a pastor, you have to be married and have children. But um, when I get up there and preach and I talk about biblical principles of, of marriage, of uh, children, raising children, um, I preach it perhaps with a little bit more compassion and sympathy mm. um, than I would have or than I did before I had children, right. where I would preach you know, in a very stern way, this is it, you do it, and you know, end of the story, yeah. um, and realizing that I myself believe those principles but fail miserably at them right. every day. And so I can, preach, I can preach the gospel, I think, in a way to, to uh, families and say, look, um, you're gonna f- this is what God calls you to do. You're going to fail, but remember, Jesus shed his blood for parents mm. like us right. who, um, who fail miserably so that the sin of failing— as a parent on on a daily basis, um, is is a sin that gets covered by the blood of Christ, right. and the same Spirit that regenerate you is the same Spirit that's working in you right. now. Um, 
to make you grow in your parenting right. mm-hmm. and, and, and being a family. So um, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more compassionate in my preaching. Um, I think that's, of that's yeah. uh, I think that, and that's a good, a very good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Lawson, he made the comment that when he was closing, he said uh, two things. One, none of us is sufficient for these things. Yeah, right? yeah amen. Uh, but also we do have a biblical mandate to pass on yes. Christian thinking molded by God's word, mm-hmm. right? So those two things. One, there is a high standard that's set mm-hmm. uh, in God's word uh, for husbands, wives, fathers, and children, uh, and mothers and children. But, you know, there is forgiveness. There is the uh, work of the Holy Spirit. There is God's word. We're not doing this alone. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't forget that, that salvation is all of grace, even in the midst of family life, especially in the, in the midst of family yeah, life. That's so into, I mean, into your everyday yeah. life. And, you know, on a personal um, level, one of the things that having children um, taught me is that it's not, it's not about me anymore. Right. It never was, but when you have uh, children, particularly, when you have a wife, you get married, and then you have children, um, and, and ideally that's the way it goes, right? Um, <laughs> should go. And, um, but it, you you do remember uh, very quickly. You find out very quickly that mm-hmm. you are not your own. Mm-hmm. Um, that what has happened is is God has placed people in your life who are now in your charge, mm-hmm. and so you you don't have the luxury anymore to to go out you know with the guys on a hunting weekend uh, at your leisure at a PCRT or you go to a PCRT. <laughs> My wife graciously uh, allowed me to come. Uh, it, um, but you know, you you have this now responsibility that is number one on earth. Yeah, you right. know, and, yeah. and 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 you and your life is not your own anymore. Your your sleeping is not your own either. I mean, you know, and that's one thing, Camden. Lord willing, you'll find out soon. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, if you used to enjoy um, eight hours or six hours of sleep, you know, not anymore. Not anymore. At least until you know the baby gets into a routine. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's all these things where God is reminding you that you are not your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, those are some very helpful words and some uh, interesting themes to think about as we attend this conference and speak about it. Uh, the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology: Children of God Adopted into the Father's Love. Again, we are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at Tenth Presbyterian Church. We're going to go to a break, uh, but we'll be back with all sorts of different topics, and hopefully, we'll be able to speak with all sorts of different people and put them in front of the microphone. So, uh, stay Amen. tuned for all that's going on. Uh, we'll be right back. back. Uh, very pleased to be here at uh, the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology. This is Camden Busey. Uh, Jeff and Jim uh, are with me as well, and uh, we were able to um, visit and, and attend a session with Rick Phillips speaking about biblical masculinity and, and femininity. What mm-hmm. uh, were some of your thoughts there? I thought there were some very interesting things that you brought up. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, very much a, a solid biblical teaching on the uh, women as being fashioned as opposed to men being created, made. Uh, Hmm. 
and that women are fashioned for beauty. Uh, and of course, in the process of unpacking that, he w- w- was challenging uh, stereotypes within our own culture. It's interesting the way he used a feminist, a neo-feminist, to yes. make his point that as we, as Christians, interact with unbelieving thought, how sometimes we find um, uh, unlikely uh, camaraderie yes. on that particular subject with another unbeliever who is attacking the unbeliever we want right. to attack. You know, um, and that's what he did. It was it was an insightful point about how our culture holds up a standard of beauty for women which is which is unreal right was that the was that naomi wolf uh wolf i think that's right yeah, yeah Miami that wolf. Was, yeah. was that the comments on the magazine covers yeah uh, there yeah. were so many illustrations many, i forget you know you get to see these types of things even on youtube it's interesting you can do um uh, a search and find you know model makeovers or that sort of thing and you can see the type of work that goes into a cover shoot where you know they take a beautiful woman to start with uh very you know and and then they but just to see the amount of changes that happen uh through the computer to create what to us becomes the standard of beauty mm-hmm. but in all reality doesn't actually exist nobody actually looks like that um people are changed they're they're thinned out all the imperfections Airbrush. of their skin everything photoshopped i think was yeah, yeah, yeah. It's photo- that's really exactly what yeah. happened you can do amazing things in photoshop but unfortunately the effect is that we we end up with a culture of images that are um portraying a standard of beauty that is first of all not biblical but even on a physical level not not existent yeah it's unreal <laughs> it's that's unreal. right yeah it's unreal and that that was the the interesting um, metaphor that he had used is is the idea of a uh, not really a metaphor. I mean, there's there's there's, there's a close attachment to reality here. Is is, is is that women are treated like mannequins? Yeah, uh, you know, and bits and parts that you can cut and paste and um, take yeah. apart and reassemble and et cetera, right. et cetera. Yeah, so. you can do it all digitally. So there's all all that sort of thing going on there. Oh, that's okay. Uh, it's, it's, do we want to ask our friend here to come and tell us what he thinks of the conference so far? <laughs> yeah, unless he doesn't want to. Fair. Slide yeah. up. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll let you guys speak. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Um, well, were some other themes? Uh, I should mention the away we're out in an exhibit hall, and uh, it's a little slow now because people are uh, out to eat dinner and whatnot. But uh, we're continuing on, so people are coming in and out, and uh, we'll be operating our our uh, discussions this way today and tomorrow mm-hmm. on, on throughout the uh, throughout the um, the conference. But uh, continuing on the the subject of biblical uh, manhood and womanhood. Um, not only the unreal idea of uh, feminine beauty, but what were his? Uh, what did he say about the actual biblical ideal? Well, there was the uh, idea of a proper understanding of beauty being a matter uh, not not of uh, physical appearance. Although, of course, being beautiful physically is not wrong. But he was talking about character. Yeah, uh, spiritual. First Peter three, right? Yeah. This reminds yeah. me of a this. TV show a few years ago, Arrested Development, where they had the the church and state (laughs) fair because the state couldn't afford it anymore. So a wealthy Christian businessman financed it, and they had an inner beauty pageant. (laughs) (laughs) Inner beauty pageant. (laughs) So anyway, I don't know know if that's what Rick meant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He also referred to Proverbs 31 in the the virtuous woman as being a woman uh, who is industrious. Yeah. 
That's good. That's a great point. Um, a help meet and yes. all those things. And I heard a guy call it. He would, you know, people would ask him what to look for in a woman, and he said, "You got to find a P thirty one model." There you go. P thirty one. Proverbs thirty one. Well, what was interesting was that last question that he fielded in terms of. Um, well, this is going a little bit further afield, but he got into the issue of um, uh, sexual confusion, sexual identity yep. confusion. <clears throat> Etc. And uh, one of the questions that came out of that was with regard to the um, Jesus Christ, uh, the the Eternal uh, Son, as Correct. being uh, somehow um, uh, masculine. That the word um, that is used, Son, how that is appropriate of an eternal, um, let, let's say, because uh, uh, God is not doesn't have a doesn't have sexual gender you know we got um, talking so. about that after the after the the um session Q&A. and the yeah. q a and it, it's interesting to think about imaging because mm-hmm. human beings are the image of god but also when we think about gender uh, some of the questions in the q a came up why did jesus have to be male mm-hmm. or why do we call god father right. um but it's interesting sometimes those questions are reversed right the better question is or the better way to conceive it is that god is who he is mm-hmm. And then humans, even in their gender, reflect elements or aspects of God's very being. Right. You know, oftentimes we, not to say that the questioner was doing this intentionally, but oftentimes we theologize from an anthropocentric point of view, which is incorrect. And we need to understand that, you know, we're not the center of the universe and the questions about God's own existence don't start with man moving to God. They should start from how God has revealed himself in Scripture Mm -hmm. and then come to understand man in that context. It's a very slight change, but it's a very important one, I think, and it helps to answer some of the complexities we get into when we start to discuss uh, gender roles and um, characteristics, right. those those types of things. So, but, yeah, go ahead. Go, what was, what was say, Rick's Rick, answer Rick's to that? answer to that question, why was Jesus male, was that the Jesus' humanity, being a man, mirrors or reflects the fact that he was always and is always and always will be the son. Mm-hmm. That's right. He's um, essentially son. Essentially the son. And that human sons are not the pattern by which Jesus is made, Correct. per se, the other way but around. rather the other and way around. And the same as he said point. with yeah. regard to God the Father. Exactly. The Father is essentially Father, and human fathers are patterned after the Divine Father. Right. And so humans, as they live out biblical marriage, as they live out biblical gender roles, and they relate to each other, they're demonstrating something of which, who got something of how God is in himself and right. how he relates well, just to ask the question then, um, to throw it out there for discussion, <clears throat> why then is God, why in the Godhead is there not a feminine, the feminine represented? That spirit's not? That's pneuma. That's a feminine it, it, Pneuma. You don't pronounce the uh, pi. Yeah, you do. Do you? Yeah. In Greek. Greek? I'm Actually, that's a neuter, I think. So anyway... Um, Terrible. That's a terrible joke. I'm not being serious. I hope the listener understands that. Um, understand. But that's a serious question. Why isn't there an explicitly feminine character? Um, some well, people God, have argued yes. that the spirit is that feminine. Yes, that's a, uh, Tony that's a Campolo argument. has tried right. to go down that road at our wonderful Eastern University. Mm. But, I mean, just I, I'm just at, do we have an answer to that as, as to why the feminine is not represented within the Godhead? No, but I, what what would we say about Paul's language when he says man is created first? 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The woman is the image of man. It's kind of it's a passage that can make us uneasy. Yeah, but um, it does reflect the creation account. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that God God created man, and from the material of man, He fashioned uh, Eve on the sixth day. Right, but later, right. It was from woe man. That's why they, she's right. called woman. Yeah. yeah. So that I mean, that, I mean, I think that gets towards an answer of our question. So that if you know we're asked why is this by feminist evangelicals or whatever, you know, we have an answer ready to go. Um, that um, now that won't necessarily be acceptable or agreeable to no to no because you have to accept biblical revelation as the standard by right. which you judge these questions first, which many of them. Will not. It's going to be a problem for several people. Yeah. Uh, good thoughts, guys. Um, I mean, it's difficult things. We're not going to. Um, There's really a lot drill more down as far as we ought to. Material in the in the lectures, I'm sure they'll. Yeah, hopefully, maybe we can get some other people in right. uh, to speak about this. Speaking of, uh, oh, speaking, good friend, of? Carl, speaking of the look devil, who's here? Carl, Carlton Wynn. He was uh, walking up, and his father Ken Wynn. His father is a board member of Westminster Theological Seminary. We'd like to sit them down and discuss uh, <laughs> their their experience here at the conference. Um, yeah, take welcome. another chair. Grab another chair. Yep. And you guys, right can, there. you guys yeah. can share a, a mic, or, or we or Jeff can share with with Jim. And uh, step up to the mic. Yeah, yeah. We'd step love to. up to the mic. You guys are really taking this on the road at conferences very seriously. Now yeah. you're taking <laughs> people out of the crowd. Well, well, That's you know, Camden, Camden yeah. literally is on the road. You know, he's got that uh, theology on the run. Uh, oh, uh, I haven't done know. those in a while. I've gotten more comments about that. I. Oh, that's great. Uh, stuff. Ken, I, I I did a few videos where I I have this tripod that actually is like a little hand and i i attached a uh, a camera to a, the the sunglass holder in the car and i drove around talking about theology once i think they're people. so popular yeah. people want to see if he gets in a car wreck. yeah <laughs> that's i almost did once that's why they yeah, tune in theology. every week i almost did once not with another car but with myself because i pulled the corner in the philadelphia snow and almost slid into oh, a snowbank you film. want to be careful yeah we stopped doing the videos after you know pretty soon after that <laughs> but carlton um or or, or, or uh, mr win ken win i'd uh, be interested in your reaction so far to today's material just in general we've talked about it in detail but i'm curious to see uh what you think about biblical manhood and womanhood its importance of or the importance of going over it and studying it and understanding it uh do you think it's a timely lesson uh, or do you think uh the culture has all this down <laughs> you want to take a stab well, I, a stab's probably the right thing to call anything i would have to say about it i feel uh, considerably out of my depth in the context of all of these theologians when I think my only qualification is, uh, on this topic at least, the uh, years I've had the experience of being a father. Um, Quite a qualification, though. You know, I've told people through the years, uh, I have no expertise but a world of experience. Mm. (laughs) And so I suppose there's something you derive from that, whether it's helpful or harmful, I'm not entirely sure. you know, your last question, uh, does the culture already have this? Uh, I think the, the problem is that the culture isn't here. Yeah. Uh, what's being described here and certainly what's been described in this event so far, um, I would rate certainly as timeless and biblical uh, wisdom uh, that the culture has through the ages and even the more today uh, tends substantially, I think, to miss. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I give enormous credit primarily to, of course, to Rick and Steve have been the spokesmen so far uh, to both of them uh, and for their not only their insight but even almost primarily for their courage mm-hmm. to be standing where they are and on the truth of God's Word and despite how they may be uh, received or rejected, yeah. uh, largely, I think, uh, rejected. rejected often scoffed at it's it's a really it's foolishness to many people and the bible is looked at as an you know an ancient document that has nothing to say for today especially on gender issues and there's there are many evangelicals who want to reinterpret scripture or kind of tone down those passages new translations of the bible that have come out in the last decade or so that tried to take those parts out yeah and yet you know god is truth and god is timeless and mutable and his truth is Timeless, eternal, Amen. immutable, uh, and its implications for fatherhood, motherhood, and families, I think, are equally so, despite how things around us change mm-hmm. and human perceptions think they develop well. But I would largely say on that, you know, one way to look at it is the proof's in the pudding. I look at Steve. Mm-hmm. Look at his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at his children. Uh, you know, not only is it timeless and true, it works. And, uh, you know, if you cultivate godly hearts in your children, it just works. That's a great point. That's a great point. And, uh, My mother's a school teacher, and I'm sure there are many school teachers out there and other people that have interaction with children, and it's such an issue. Uh, kids come into school that don't have biblical parents, and there's so many issues and discipline problems it's not to say all biblical parents are going to have you know kids that behave so nicely but yet god has given us a structure and and uh, a design by which we should run our households and there's a reason for that sure yeah i mean even my wife eve she um taught in a inner city school in elizabeth new jersey for a couple of years and um she had been through many different school systems and in in while you have problems with your kids um, as a teacher at any school system that you're in, um, it's at a whole different level in communities and in cultures where fathers aren't present, where uh, parents aren't parenting, um, and it's at a whole different level. So, yeah, the proof is in the pudding. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. What are your thoughts, um, Rick Phillips said something that I think communicates well. To, I look around the room in the sanctuary today, and I saw a lot of, of course, lay people come to the conference, and I'm sure there were pastors and others there. Um, but he made an excellent point that we've been studying in, in, in seminary uh, that Westminster makes a huge deal about, about the creator-creature distinction. Yeah. And his, I loved how he said it, if you all remember. He said, and he got this from somebody, I can't remember who, but that Christianity is a twoist religion. Mm, Peter uh, yeah, and Peter Jones was saying that uh, that paganism essentially is a oneist religion, and you know exactly what he's talking. He's talking about a metaphysical sort of backdrop to all that is. Is it? Is it? Do we live fundamentally in a in a monistic environment? I mean, oneist is a, is a is an easy way of just saying monistic. Yeah. Or he's really affirming the creator creature distinction, mm-hmm. and he said that Christianity affirms dichotomies like uh, parent child, right wrong, uh, God man. It's heaven, that last heaven hell. Heaven hell. But it's the God man distinction that we know to be the backdrop of everything that is. And the collapsing when I heard him say that, I heard him say our culture today is collapsing authority structures. Yeah. And this conference is picking up on a significant 
authority structure that's failing in our culture today. The family, uh, the parents, at least the pre-conferences, I'm sure adoption will relate to this as well, the doctrine mm-hmm. of adoption. But, uh, but it's, it's a sign that we're collapsing the creator-creature distinction because we're ultimately denying and obscuring the authority of God over his world uh, a unique, maybe American or at least Western flaw is that that manifests itself in a collapse of the family structure, yeah. and that's just it's 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 uh, it's so clear when you think of it along those terms. Or are we are we thinking of the family without regard to the distinctions that God has ordained for the good of His people and for His own glory as a microcosm of His authority structure over His creation? I was uh, it, it, thinking about what you were saying. Reminded me a few years ago, I was teaching a Sunday school class on the Westminster Larger Catechism, and I remember getting to the uh, series of questions about uh, the fifth commandment, and uh, I could tell people were getting a little antsy because it's honor <laughs> your father and mother, but the divines, of course, don't limit it to relationships to fathers and and mothers, relationships to superiors, inferiors, and equals. And and that way of even talking is great against our American or maybe Western uh, egalitarianism. And I remember him saying to the folk in the class, this this is is the reflecting the teaching of God's word, which goes against the grain of of the world around us. I've heard people in the church kind of scoff at that uh, that catechism answer uh, because they think it, it reaches too far beyond the single command. And that's at least one place in the confession where I find the uh, the footnoted verses helpful. I know that yes. the confession wasn't originally written with all the, the scriptural Correct. citations. They were called to do that later. But but I think it's helpful to see mm-hmm. how Scripture itself takes the principle of, the ten, of each of the Ten Commandments and expands it legitimately to include subordinates and superiors right. and equals and uh and the commandment alone grates against our culture much less how yes, the confession correct. biblically expands that to include all authority structures in 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 the human life but it relates to your 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 observation that we were really talking about the rejection of authority yeah per and, se and, and i can imagine the unbeliever coming across the questions on the fifth commandment and just squealing you know being terrified by reading these things, being very uncomfortable. Yeah. Because uh, I, as a Christian, sensed that when I was teaching, that this would, would not be well-received. Not here in America, anyway. Not here in America. America. Well, how Either do we go about as uh, people in the church, uh, how do we faithfully go about ministering to our brothers and sisters who might not have this structure at home or who might not see its importance? Does anyone have any... Ideas or, or experience dealing with such a such a situation in their church, hey, Jim. That's a question for you and Carlton. One thing Rick talked about was just the fact that there there might be people out there that don't have biblical parents, and the church sometimes fills that role. Has that ever been a situation that any of any of you have found? Or, um, or I from what my about old, the propriety of that? From my old background, yeah. In the Salvation Army, we regularly worked with uh, young people whose parents were absent, mm-hmm. uh, or who, if they were present, were either drunk or stoned. Yeah. And, and uh, so, yes. Uh, now, unfortunately, the, my previous denomination, their theology is less than solidly biblical. Mm-hmm. 
but they under they got that right. Yeah, that that the church does often fill the role of a missing parent. Uh, not always enjoyable. It's not always neat and clean. Right. But it is it is uh, something that I think we as the church are called to to do to to be a father or a mother or uh-huh. both. Uh, and he and Rick especially mentioned uh, also. Uh, children overseas, not not just those who are in America, in the inner cities, but yeah. also children and other families in other parts of the world where that's a real need. Hmm. To think of the elder as a paternal figure, <clears throat> I, I thought was excellent. Something I hadn't thought of all that much myself. Certainly, there are um, different spheres. I mean, this isn't scary, normative, yeah, but it, yeah. it's a it's an interesting yeah. role. It's I certainly, mean, a, a I shepherding mean, I, type responsibility yeah i mean i say i say it's scary because as an elder myself i often don't think in those terms and it makes me wonder how many um um you know people might fall through the cracks in the churches because we don't think of it that way (laughs) before we concluded i wanted to rope in uh gabe fleur who's who's uh working here for the alliance of confessing evangelicals and he just ran away with a cell phone but now he's coming back um, Gabe, he's got a few. Uh, I, 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 yeah, he does. He's gonna look, you just need a gecko. He just sold big, right? He just, he just sold big. You need a gecko. You know the blue Let's shirt. Just say the alliance is going to be doing well. <laughs> so this is our conference call with you and we potential investors in the alliance. We want to hear, um, you know, your outlook. What's your? What are your bond ratings? Um, you know, give us the prospectus. No, in all seriousness, um, you're, you're getting a different side of the conference. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your vantage point you're not necessarily in all the sessions but working for the alliance you're getting a different side of things what has been your take uh, so far um especially about the the conference content and how people have received it and understood it or well, i think pcrt is a special time because folks can come and meet all the speakers that's self-consciously how uh, rick uh, phillips the chairman has set it up and uh, i know he tells the other speakers the same thing that they need to be in the bookstore during the breaks, uh, and we really want to thank Cumberland Valley Bible Bookstore, uh, which is now Grace Distribution. I think they've kind of formed with Evangelical Press to do just a fantastic job of setting up really a great bookstore here in Center City. And that facilitates the conversations. There's great books that the, the, the speakers can recommend them to you, knowledgeable staff. Oh, fun. So, yeah, I think yeah. the, the, the behind-the-scenes thing is, is one of the best parts about PCRT and the way it's set up is, is self-consciously uh, is a reformed conference but congenial, um, winsome in the best sense of that word, where you get to see, as, uh, as we were talking about at lunch with Rick Phillips, the proclamation of God's word. We're not here simply to do polemics. That may be necessary. But the proclamation and behind the scenes, it, it's really easy to work for something like that. Mm. You know, there's, there's good, quote, if we're going to use our stockbroker terms, there's good buy-in. <laughs> good ROI too. Well, what do we have lined up uh, for this evening? Uh, we're going to break off and uh, conclude this episode shortly, but there'll be another one coming out uh, soon. We'll try to release these fairly close to each other, so you don't have to wait. Um, but what do we have lined up, uh, Gabe? Uh, in the evening, it looks like we've got it. Um, David Wells tonight. Ah. Yeah, well, you won't want to miss that. Uh, of course, he's kind of one of our elder statesmen, and uh, he's. I- He's so amazing, he can write a four-book trilogy. <laughs> or five-book five 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 trilogy. Book trilogy. <laughs> he is. That's what you do when you're, in, when you're David logic. Wells. It, yes, he does. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, hmm. but I think it's going to be one of those things where you you definitely want to hear what he has to say. And and again, he's one of the the reasons the alliance uh, is where it is today because after Doctor Boyce heard um, Wells speak and Doctor Wells's books were so uh, influential in the mid '90s, there really calling attention to what everybody's talking about now. Frankly, yeah. he's the guy the the back of God of the waste God in the wasteland says who dropped the bomb on the evangelical playground. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way. So to put yeah, it. he's 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 going to be someone you don't want to miss. I'm looking forward to that, and uh, there are going to be a lot of a lot of great discussion. Joel Beakey is also going to be here. We mentioned Steve Lawson before, so uh, there'll be some interesting discussion, and we'll try to continue to work this out and understand this all within a self-consciously reformed theological construct. So do we have any closing uh, remarks for this uh, introductory episode to uh, PCRT? It's been good. It's been good. We'll leave it at that. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening. We should mention uh, the websites. You can visit the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals online at alliancenet.org. You can also visit us, Reformed Forum, online at reformedforum.org as well as reformedforum.tv. There you'll find information about all of our programs and uh, how to subscribe to them and download and get all of our programs absolutely for free. And we would encourage you to get in touch with us at mail at reformedforum.org or, of course, at Twitter at Reformed Forum. How many places could you find us? You could find us anywhere. We come to you. We want to thank everybody for listening. We look forward to having you back next time on Christ the Center.